Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And uh, we're continuing. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and continue our class, uh, The Great Mercy of God. And I know that uh, on, our, on our very last class, we had talked about how basically that it is ultimately Christ that God is speaking of when when he says, Go unto a land I will show thee, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and I will make thee a blessing. Uh, ultimately, it speaks of Christ. And how even in those even in those promises that God made to Abram as a type of Jesus of Nazareth, to his seed, to the increase of Jesus of Nazareth, which is uh, the glorified Christ, death, burial, resurrection. Now you have the glorified Christ. This is where his name is uh, the name above all names. So the Lord did fulfill and complete uh, what he had promised <clears throat> unto his son, who was obedient, obedient even unto the death of the cross, even unto death. And uh, so... That's in a different diagram. I've got I've got our Abram diagram back on the board, and I'm just continuing with how that Abram. We're look, we're just looking at Abram as a type of of a believer, basically the type of as a type of the heart, uh, because once again, when when the God of Glory first appears in a soul, uh, everything's changed. And that's basically the moment of new birth, and God appears with a purpose. You know, that, I mean, He speaks it to Abram, get thee out of, unto a land I will show thee. And really, with us, it's immediate, just like that, we are, we are taken out of one creation and birthed into an altogether new creation. And the thing is, is that we really don't know what happened. We know that something happened, but we really don't know exactly what happened. We know that there's been a change, we just don't know exactly what the change is. Well, the change that, is take, that takes place at new birth when the God of glory appears, when Christ himself appears in the soul, the moment of new birth, the moment of salvation, is that there is a change. The change is no longer I, but Christ who is in me. He is in me as the salvation of God. He is in me as the life of God. He is in me as everything. The thing is, and what has been, uh, and governs, I would say, the majority of, of us who are born again, is that we are ignorant of the one who is present. And see, our ignorance doesn't change anything with God. Uh, reality is still the same. God knows the change. God knows the life that's present. God knows the one who's present. God knows his son who's present in the soul. So then the Lord uh, with Abram, who hangs out at Haran, which is basically in between Ur and the Great Sea, it's, it's basically the limbo point, you know, in, be one, in between one creation and the other. Well, as I said, at the moment of new birth, we have been translated from one kingdom, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We are in an altogether new creation. But where our hearts dwell, where our hearts are, is what really governs us. You know, and reality, reality doesn't govern us until we see reality in the face of Jesus Christ. And so the truth doesn't change. Reality doesn't change with God. And that's why we have the Lord... Uh, Speaking once again to Abram, get thee out of thy land, out from thy kindred, and now he adds from thy father's house because you're abiding where you are not. You're abiding, you're trying to find your livelihood, your life in a creation where you, know, you are no longer found. But he doesn't just stay there. He brings it back unto purpose. Unto a land I will show thee. And... <clears throat> The thing is, is that we know that the first thing that happens when Abram finally makes it into the land of Canaan, he comes to Sikkim, 
sterne Shechem, and the Lord appears. And that's the same word, appear. The Lord appeared unto Abram. is the same word that the Lord uses when he's speaking to him in Haran, unto a land I will show thee. The Lord wanted to show himself. So the Lord appears where he is. Now see all this, this right here, this border, is representative of the land of Canaan, basically right here. This border right here is representative of the land of Canaan. And all the Lord wanted to do was reveal himself, show himself where he himself was. So as soon as Abram comes into the land, makes it to the land, comes to the end for which he was purposed, the Lord appears. And that is the end unto which man is purposed, unto which the soul is purposed. God creates the soul for one purpose. It's the appearing of Christ. And that's why you must be born again. See? You must be born again to to begin... To be able, all right, to be able to come to the end for which the soul is purposed, you must come to the beginning, new birth. But new birth has purpose as well. You see, the purpose doesn't change. The beginning, to take the first step, you must. To take the first step to be, come to the purpose, you must be born again. So, so now with Abram in the land, and this, I love this. I love this. <clears throat> The Lord brought Abram, and Abram is now in the land, and it's basically like our heart hearing, I heard, because the Lord speaks to Abram while he's in Haran, and just like John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation chapter 1, I heard the voice that spoke with me, I turned to see the voice, he saw the Lord. He saw the Lord where the Lord appears. The same way with Abram. Abram comes into the land and the land represents the soul. And the Lord appears in the land. You hear the exact words of what that testifies of in Galatians chapter 1 with with Paul, the Apostle Paul. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, called me by His grace, separated me from my mother's womb to reveal His Son in me. Once again, the promised land is a type of the soul. It's a type of the soul of man. You can, you can search it out, do all you want. That's what it amounts to. The promised land, the land of promise, was given unto the seed Galatians, which is Christ. All right, and I know that <clears throat> I know that several have taught that the land of promise is Christ and all this stuff. No, well, it's not. Sorry, uh, it's not. The land of promise. Uh, there were the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and all the otherites in there. Listen to this verse: In Him there is no darkness. None of that's found in Christ. It's only found in the imagination of a darkened understanding, in the imagination of the heart. That's where all of that is found. It is the concepts that govern and rule and reign, the concepts that have been brought over from Ur of the Chaldees, from the time before the flood, before the river, where I think it's in Joshua, where it says, you know, our fathers worshipped idols beyond the flood. They worshipped idols. They, they worshipped their concept of God, their imagination, their thought of God. That was all bef- before, before. Well, all this other stuff, that's what that represents. Things that are governing. It's just the concepts. But nonetheless, the Lord appears. Alright? <clears throat> Let me see where we are. And uh, forgive me, uh, I, I could basically just say this. If you know Spanish, you can check out my Spanish classes and you will get a whole lot more uh, 
I guess from the last time I taught a class to this time, you'll see a whole lot of the dots connect because all my Spanish classes were all those in be, all that time in between. Um, but glory to God, we're back on on track here. I guess we're <laughs> we're gonna uh, do this class uh, in English. And uh, so here's Abram coming in, having, having come into the land, and the Lord appears. And see, <clears throat> he saw the Lord where he is in the land. In type, God was revealed in the soul. Christ is revealed where He is. Therefore, you must be born again. The Father, God the Father, cannot reveal His Son if He's not present. Therefore, you must be born again. Alright, so here's Abram. And then he goes to Bethel. And we all know Bethel means house of God. And he builds an altar there too. And there's just an awesome thing going on. And I forgot in my notes and I... It's actually a couple pages, but I'll go ahead and just look at it and just mention it right now. Yeah, here it is. There's this awesome thing just going on with the Lord, and I call this 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 class the theme of this class is the great mercy of God, because from beginning to end it is the mercy of God. And <clears throat> see, I've got right here from from Ur from the very beginning. It was the very mercy of God that brought Abram into reality. See, Abram would not have nothing. Nothing would have changed on the route that Abram was on. Nothing would have changed if the God of glory had not appeared. It's like being born again. If God does not bring the heart to turn to the Lord where the soul can experience new birth, where Christ can appear in that soul, then that heart, that soul, will continue as always on a path of destruction. And I say destruction because it's not the path of life. Do you understand? Please understand me. We always go by the knowledge of good and evil, by what we see with our natural eyes. But see, and we see, well... We'll, we'll judge this way. Well, going around robbing banks isn't a good thing. That's the path of destruction. But uh, a good path would be uh, getting a good uh, job and, and uh, supporting the community. Well, see, that's all based on the knowledge of good and evil. But see, none of that is based... On in, com- in a comparison to life, to Christ Himself. So all that, that's a path of destruction until the God of glory appears. Until God, by His tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, causes a heart to turn unto Him and Christ appears in that soul and that soul is now born again. Now reality has come to the soul. And that was all in God's mercy. Now, at that point, before you're born again, and I, I know it, the Lord, listen, the Lord makes us obedient unto coming to Him. And it's not, please understand this, it is not an obedience like uh, our concepts of master and slave. We, you know, the master cracks a whip. Now you come to me. Do this and do that. No, no, no. It's not like that. I think the scriptures uh, say that he draws us with cords of love. He draws us. Look, God knows what's best for the soul. His son. He knows that. That's why he created the soul. You can't, you can't put a square peg in a round hole no matter how much you try. You know, God knows why He created the soul for the appearing of Christ. So, the Lord brings us uh, unto the moment of new birth and then the soul is born again. And then, as I I stated, uh, 
we can dwell for years in Haran, for years in ignorance. Um, and the Lord's merciful. He comes yet once again and speaks purpose. See, he spoke purpose at the moment of new birth. See, God spoke purpose at the moment of new birth. And he continues to speak purpose throughout. Even while we're ignorant of him who is present, even while we're ignorant of the purpose for which our souls were created, he continues to speak purpose. But what happens? Well, at the moment of new birth, man comes in with his concepts. You remember Haran is no different than Ur. They both worshipped the moon god. You know, a light. It is no light at all. Now, when does a person see the light of the moon? Think of this. When does the person experience the light of the moon? They experience the light of the moon at night when there's darkness. Well, that doesn't, God doesn't care about that. He does, that doesn't even move him. It doesn't change him. Purpose doesn't change. So once again, now he speaks purpose yet once again. But see, man clouds the whole purpose of God. Oh, you know, the moment you're born again, okay, now you need to do this. Now you need to read, you know, 30 chapters a day and you need to do this and you need to study and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this. And they set that as the goal. Or I'll say this, you know, because this is really heavy in, in, in my generation right now. Now that you're born again, you need to study up on the Scriptures and learn the Scriptures so you can serve God. Now, please don't get me wrong. There's the ministry of man where you serve God, and then there's the ministry of God where you serve His ministry. It's one or the other. See, in ignorance, we can serve God But see, in understanding, we just serve His purpose. Now, man clouds the whole issue, and yet the Spirit of the Lord is still drawing, is still preparing the ground of the heart so we can hear the voice yet once again. Get out so that you can come unto what I will show thee, the land I will show thee. All right? There the Lord makes us obedient unto the heavenly voice. Just as John said it, I heard the voice that spake with me and I turned to see the voice. And being turned, he says, I saw the lamp stands. Well, praise God, that's not where he stayed. Because he goes on, and one in the midst of the lamp stands like unto the Son of Man. And then he goes on, and when I saw him, then I fell at his feet as dead. Then there was a, then there, then there was an effect in me. Then something was effectual in me. But until I saw him, hey, I was, I was still governed by the same. Okay. But see, it goes, when I saw him. Alright. <clears throat> so now the Lord has appeared unto Abram. And sorry, I'm kind of doing a big, summary yet once again. The Lord has appeared uh, unto Abram. He appeared the second. The Lord from heaven. And uh, now, and I want to <clears throat> pick up here, and I'll, I'll just, I'll just, you know, mention it. Uh, things change while Abram's dwelling there in Canaan. Uh, and there's a famine in the land. Well, what does Abram do? Uh, he keeps on journeying south, the Negev, and then there's a famine in the land, so he keeps on journeying still south until he finds himself in Egypt. Well, what does Abram essentially do when he leaves the land? When he leaves the land that God has called him to. When he leaves, listen, the purpose that God has called him to. Because if you keep on reading, the Lord never appears in Egypt. And actually, the Lord never even speaks to Abram while he's in Egypt. The Lord, by His divine providence, works 
to bring Abram back. But what is it that Abram left? He left the purpose for which he existed. He left the purpose for which God called him in the first place. Remember? Get out of thy land, from thy kindred, unto a land I will show thee. Get out of thy land, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, from dwelling in thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. So when Abram went down to Egypt, basically, essentially, his heart turned from the Lord unto something less. It doesn't matter what it is. As I stated, there's so many different things. It doesn't matter what it is. And please, please understand, and don't get me wrong, read your Bibles. But the goal is not head knowledge. The goal isn't even to read the Bibles. No. We search the Scriptures because they testify of Jesus Christ. And verse 40 of John chapter 5, Jesus says this, And you will not come to Me. John 5.39, Jesus says, You search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that testify of Me. This is what Jesus says. But see, verse 40, And you will not come to Me. See, we, the, the Scriptures are purposed of God to bring us unto the appearing of Christ, unto Christ Himself, unto the person of Jesus Christ Himself. So yes, search the Scriptures. Study the Scriptures. Search for Jesus in the Scriptures. And I believe this, if you are seeing Christ in the Scriptures, then you are actually, I believe, you are actually hearing the voice of God so that your heart may turn to see Him who speaks. <clears throat> so I do believe in uh, searching the Scriptures. I search them, you know, daily and whenever I get a chance sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but the end isn't head knowledge and the end isn't just searching the Scriptures. No, we search the Scriptures to see Him. And it's not, it's not just seeing Him in the Scriptures. Seeing Him in the Scriptures is to birth in our own hearts that expectation of seeing Him of whom the Scriptures speak. You remember once again with Jesus? And you will not come to Me. So, I just wanted to mention that. <clears throat> so, let's see, where were we? Here's the verses. Let's just see this. Uh, this is in Genesis chapter 12. I'll just start with verse 9. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And see, here's the situation. <clears throat> the Lord never promised it would be hunky-dory. Okay? He never promised, hey, rains on the just and on the unjust just alike. You know? The thing is, the Lord guaranteed life, the salvation of the soul. He would save, He would preserve life. Now at that moment, Abram, there was a grievous famine in the land. At that moment, Abram is looking around and just picture this. Picture this. He's looking at himself. He's looking at Sarai's wife. He's looking at Lot, his nephew, and he's looking at all the souls that came with him out of Haran. And he's looking at all his goods, everything he has, his livestock, and he's seeing a famine happening right here. What are you going to do, Abram? What are you going to do? Right? And Abram, I mean, he did it. He stepped out of the purpose of God, he stepped out of the will of God to what? To try to preserve what he believed to be his life. To try to preserve what he believed at that time to be the life of those with him as well. 
he lost sight of him who is our life. And that's what happens. We, we lose sight of the Lord for whatever reason. It's just... It's just <clears throat> it just happens. Okay? Man is not faithful. God is faithful. Remember that. Man is not faithful. With man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So, he loses sight of him who is life, of the true life, and tries to preserve something that's not life. Well, there's just a couple of things that, that, um, that I'll just mention here. When, when the heart is no longer serving the purpose of the Lord, when the heart steps out of serving the purpose of the Lord, when the heart kind of just turns onto something less, when the heart uh, steps out of the will of God, then a couple things start happening. I mean, it's almost like weeds popping up all of a sudden. <clears throat> For one, Abram was no longer walking in the truth. He was no longer walking in light, in the light of the countenance of the Lord. When he stepped out unto Egypt, he was no longer walking in truth. He was no longer walking in the light of the countenance of the Lord, the light of thy countenance. So, he wasn't governed by truth. He wasn't governed by reality. He wasn't governed by light. Uh, and you can, you can see it. I mean, he tells his, he tells his wife, when, when they come into Egypt, he's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. And this is... <clears throat> Therefore, it shall come to pass when... And this is uh, chapter... 12, Genesis chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall, shall see thee, they shall say, uh, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Verse 13. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. It, well, tell me the truth, Abram. Well, she is my sister. The, the, to hit it on the head, or to be more, forgive me for the colloquialism, uh, to, to be more accurate, Abram should have said, she's my wife. But see, he, ste he stepped out of the bounds of truth. He stepped out of the bounds of uh, the light of the Lord. Not just light, remember? Ur and Haran have light. That's darkness compared to the Lord Himself. So, stepped out of the will of God and now He's deceitful. And <clears throat> that not only affects Him, it affects all those who are around Him. That deceitfulness. Because Sarai being uh, his wife says, okay, I'll do it. I'll go along with, with, what, with your game. I'll, I'll go along with what you say. But see how he says it? But they will... Um, and my soul shall live because of thee. What life does Abram have in view? It's not the Lord who is his life. He has, once again, picked up an imagination once again picked up a concept of what he believes to be his life is. But listen, that doesn't change reality. That doesn't fool God. He knows the truth. God knows the truth. God knows reality. Why? Because God knows His Son who is present. The thing is, we don't. We don't. <clears throat> God just wants us to know the one who is present. His son. <clears throat> All right, let's see where we're going. Um, verse uh, 14. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, 
the Egyptians beheld a woman that she was very fair, actually, that she, that she very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh and the Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Pharaoh entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and asses, and men servants and maidservants and she asses and camels. Now listen to this. <clears throat> Here's Abram. And I don't it doesn't say any of this. Uh, I I just think of it this way. Um because Abram might not have realized what he had just done when he stepped out of when he stepped out of purpose, when he stepped out of the will of God. He may not have fully understood what he had just done. But things are beginning to hit. I mean, think of this. Here you have Abram trying to save what he believes to be his life, and he has everybody playing along with him to try to save his own life, what he believes to be his life. And he's in that situation because there was a famine in the land, a grievous famine in the land, and he was trying to preserve, save what he believed to be life. Now what's happened? His wife is taken from him. Yes, she was his sister, but more, she was his wife. Just think of the thoughts that are running through Abram's mind. I mean, and I say this because this is this is how I've I've experienced such things. You know, when my heart turns unto something less than the Lord, I'll just give you some some examples. What are some things that we would consider good? Uh, Let's just use the one that governs the majority of, of my generation. When my heart turns to ministry as the purpose for which I exist, as the prize, as the goal, then it's not too long afterwards that I realize, Lord, there's something not right. Something's not right in my heart. Something's not right with me. And does it affect others? Oh my gosh, it sure does. <laughs> Everything. See, we want, we want to affect others, so we do things outwardly. No, 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 brother and sister. Listen, the church will have an impact on the world based upon what governs the church. If the heart of the church is turned towards the face of Jesus Christ and beholding is in a glass, the glory of the Lord being changed into that same image from glory to glory, then there will be an impact in the world. But we've just, cho- we've just gone about it another way. And we've tried to impact the world with what we can do. And we've left the prize, just like Abram. We've left the purpose for which we exist. Remember at the beginning when I, when I was mentioning Abram comes into the land and then Bethel, the Lord appears Bethel, Bethel, house of God? And just like John on the Isle of Patmos, let's go ahead and read that. This is, this is really important because I believe this is the state of the church that we're in today. At least my generation. <clears throat> the book of Revelation um, and to be more uh, specific, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1. Uh, let's see. Verse 13. Oh, verse 12. And I turn, well, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Uh, and he goes on what you see right in the book. All right, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden lampsticks. Lampstands. Well, lampsticks. Okay. And in the, verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot and girt about the paps with a golden girl. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet were like brass, 
as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand the seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Okay? Jesus spoke of John the Baptist. He said, you know, he was a bright shining torch and you rejoiced, you rejoiced in his light for a season, for a time. But see, Jesus is the true light of the world. The Gospel of John. Let's look at that real quick. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, verse, verse one of John chapter one. In the beginning of uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it, comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And see, Jesus spoke of John the Baptist like this. You rejoiced in his light. He was a bright, shining torch, and you rejoiced for a time in his light. What was the light of John? His testimony of Christ. There is one coming who is greater than I. There is one coming who is greater than I. There is one in the midst whom you do not know. But he who sent me to baptize sent me with his purpose that you may know the one in the midst. Praise God that John looked beyond the candlesticks beyond the testimony unto him, himself, who is in the midst of the testimony. Jesus also said this, no man lights a candlestick and hides it under a bushel. No. But he put, or no man lights a candle, hides it under a bushel or under a bed. No. But he puts it on a candlestick so that those who are in the house and those who come into the house may see the light of the house. What is it? The candle on a candlestick? No. The light of the candlestick that is testifying of the true light of the house. So that those who are in the house of God and those who come into the house of God may see the true light of the house. The true light of the soul. The true light of the creation of God. And this is His Son. Because it's not like one of these light bulbs here. I don't know if, don't know if it'll reflect on the, on the video or not. It's, it's not one of these light bulbs. It's, it's not even the outside light, light of the natural sun. So here he is in Bethel. The Lord appears and he builds an altar. He's governed by the heavenly vision. And then, excuse me, he sees a natural situation. And who knows, maybe everyone was coming up to Abram, kind of like they came up to Moses. Hey, what are you going to do? There's a famine. There's a grieve, grievous famine in the land. We're, we're going to die. We need, we need sustenance. I don't, I don't know what all was happening. But Abram says, okay, let's go find it in Egypt. <clears throat> so I'm there, there, and then he starts. What's the word? He starts being deceitful because you have to be. I mean, if if you're not working, if you're not walking in the truth, if you're not walking in reality, if you're not walking in the light of the countenance of the Lord, if you're not walking in the appearing of the Lord, if you're not walking in the purpose of the Lord, if you're not walking in the will of God, you're going to be deceitful. Just tell him you're my sister. 
So once again, here you have Abram. Now they, they took his wife. Whoa. And as I, as I stated, it doesn't take long when my heart turns to something less. It doesn't take long before I'm, before I'm, I'm speaking to the Lord. Hey, I'm trying to, whoa. Someone broke fellowship, Lord, and it wasn't you. What did I do, Lord? Well, who knows what I did? I don't even, I don't even know what I did to get here. I don't even, I don't even know what my heart turned unto. But you know, Lord. And all I ask is that you would turn my heart yet once again unto you. Turn my heart to behold the glorious face of Jesus Christ, the very purpose for which my soul exists. Because somehow I've left purpose. Somehow I've left your will. Bring my heart back unto purpose, Lord. Bring me back unto thy will. So who knows what, as, as I stated, it's not mentioned here any of that with Abram. I just know what happens in my own heart. So who knows what all was going on with, with Abram. But see, the Lord remains faithful unto His purpose, unto His end. Because the Lord is faithful. God is faithful unto His Son. <clears throat> Verse 17, And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is it that thou hast done unto me? Right? Abram's deceitfulness coming to light. Why didst thou not tell me she was thy wife? Why did you say she's my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. But there's Pharaoh. Abram's standing there. Everything's brought out into the open. And in God's divine providence, he's bringing Abram back into purpose. Praise God that, that, that he will take the steps to bring us back unto purpose. Look, the Lord does in his great mercy what he does to bring us unto purpose he does every step of the way to make our heart obedient unto purpose. To make our heart obedient unto purpose, unto reality where the Lord can appear, and then to make our heart obedient unto the heavenly voice that our heart may yet once again turn to see the voice. And he continues now to make the heart yet obedient unto the heavenly vision. The Apostle Paul said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision where Jesus appeared. He said, I will constitute thee a minister and a witness of this. Thy seeing me, for it is I who have appeared unto thee, and thy seeing me hereafter. This thy seeing me, and thy seeing me hereafter. See, that's what it's all about. It's about the seeing of Christ from this moment on. It's not about the minister or a witness. No, no, no. Listen listen to this. You are a minister and you are a witness. And you will, without doubt, minister whatever you witness. If you're beholding your own face, that's what you will minister. And it will have an impact on those around you. And did it not? If you're beholding the face of Christ, that is what you will minister. And you will serve the Lord, the purpose of the Lord in your generation. And you will be a servant of God's ministry. It's not your ministry. You'll be the Lord's ministry and you'll serve him in his ministry in what he is doing just like the Levites served Aaron in what Aaron was doing the Levites didn't have a ministry Aaron had the ministry Aaron who's a type of Christ and just looking at it with those two okay and therefore you'll say it's it's not my purpose it's 
the Lord's, it's God's purpose. It's not my ministry to bring all, to bring all to the face of Christ, to the appearing of Christ, to the appearing of the second. It's God's purpose. All right. Where are we at? So the Lord, hey, he used uh, the world. He used Pharaoh to rebuke Abram and bring him back. Well, praise God, Abram came back. And that's what it amounts to. Praise God that Abram came back to purpose. That Abram came back to serve the purpose of the Lord in his generation. That he came back to the will of God. And see, it's very specific. He came, uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 1, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. The Negev, right there, the south of the land. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold, Verse three, and he went out, excuse me, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. He came to the place of the altar. He came to back to the house of God. Now. Please understand. In his heart. In his heart. And I think I did this in one of the classes. Okay. I, uh, I see you. You're seeing me. Okay, but what happens if I turn around? If I turn from you? What do you see? What do I see? I sure don't see you. I see the board. But I'm here. You're here. I just don't know you're here until I turn around and see the ones, the one here. Reality doesn't change. When the God of glory, Jesus Christ Himself, appears in your soul at the moment of new birth, reality has come because Christ is present. That doesn't change. Now, your heart may wander, your heart may go here, there. Uh, may camp out over here before it ever comes to purpose, or having come to purpose, may just fall into something less. Reality does not change. Your heart may wander, and then your heart may condemn you. But God is greater than your heart. He knows the truth. See, we, we say, Oh God, why do I do this? Why my life always does this? I always do this, Lord. Well, hey, that's not your life. Why don't, why don't we just confess, Lord God, forgive me. I'm just ignorant of Him who is my life. I'm ignorant of the Son who's present. I'm ignorant of Christ who's present. Therefore, I don't know. I don't know what life I have. I think I have a life. I think I have a life. And that life naturally gravitates to death, to the world. I just don't know the life that I have. Father, reveal Your Son in me. Let me see Him who is present. Let me see Him who is in the midst. Praise God. Beautiful prayer. Actually, it's the only prayer uh, that that we should be praying other than God have mercy on me and turn my heart unto your Son, unto the face of your beloved Son. See, where were we? So he comes back. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord causes Abram now to be obedient unto the heavenly vision. He comes back to the place of the altar. He comes back to the house of God. And once again, what is the purpose? (laughs) I love this. Jesus was actually Jesus was talking about this the whole thing with the candle lighting a candle putting on a candlestick in the house it's in it's in the gospels I think it's uh, Matthew Mark and Luke I think but he comes back to purpose the purpose of the house is to see the light of the house the light of the house is Jesus Christ to see the sun who is the true light of the world the true light of the house of God the true light of the creation of God is to see his son and nothing less. 
It's not to see the testimony, but to see the Son. It's the testimony having its full Or how should I say it? It's the testimony bringing us onto its expected end, the appearing of Christ. And I may have said it better. I know I shot it. <laughs> I sent Raven a text where it was worded very well, but I don't have my phone on me, so there you go. Uh, let's see. We are definitely running out of time, but I do want to continue. So Abram comes back to purpose. The Lord having brought Abram back. It's really, it's the Lord who who always brings us. Because if the Lord doesn't bring us, then we cannot bring ourselves. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. But, guess what? If the Father draw him, he will come. There's the great and tender mercy of God. All right. So he comes back and he calls on the name of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but uh, I'm so thankful when the Lord turns my heart unto the Son again. I'm so thankful. And I realize just that, that I don't even have the power to keep my heart. Listen, I don't have the power to keep my heart. Not to keep me in reality, no. No, reality is Jesus is present. That's it. You cannot, <clears throat> you cannot, well, God is joined. No man can separate. That's reality. But from my heart, from wandering off, I can't even keep it. It's the Lord who is the good shepherd that brings the heart back unto him again. See, because we all like sheep, we wander. But the Lord is the good shepherd. He brings us back unto him again. And again, and again, and again, and again. It's beautiful how the Lord is with us. All right, now, I just do want to finish up with this right here. Verse uh, 5 of Genesis chapter 13. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, not able to bear them both, basically, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. This is Abram and Lot. And there was strife between the herdmen, herdsmen, herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of uh, Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren." And just look at what he's saying. They're back here. This area of land, it's not able to support both of them. It's like Abram saying, I've got stuff, you've got stuff, and our herdsmen are striving because of this stuff. Hey, let's not strive among us. Let there be no striving. Why? We're brothers. I mean, don't, don't you see something... The heavenly vision governing Abram. Listen, and it is. It is. We're going we're to see this even, even with the following verse. The heavenly vision is now governing everything of Abram here. Lot, no. You're, you're not just my nephew, Lot. You didn't just come with me, Lot. No, we are brothers. We've been brought of the Lord. We've been brought by the Lord appearing. We've been brought of the Lord unto purpose, unto His will. We're brothers. We're more than just nephew and uncle. No, we are brothers. We are purposed for the same. God Himself has purposed us for the very same thing. So let there be no striving among us. But listen, let us encourage one another daily while it is day, lest we be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Separation. Abram is governed by the heavenly vision. Look at verse 9. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. 
If you'll take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if you depart to the right, then I will go to the left. Listen, I don't know if you caught this, but listen what's, what, what is governing Abram. The whole land is before you as it is before me. The whole land. See, what's governing Abram at this point is the heavenly vision, the purpose for which he exists. See, he gives Lot first choice. And I've read commentators and say, oh, well, that's because uh, Abram is pious. And Abram is basically uh, yielding all because he's he's old, the eldest and uh, he's sacrificing all. No, no listen, listen to this. It's already settled in Abram's heart. It's settled. Hey, I know why I'm here. I know why God called me in the first place. I know why God appeared and called me in the first place. I know what it's all about now. I'm governed by the heavenly vision. I'm not only governed by reality. I'm not only governed by the voice of the Lord. I'm governed by the heavenly vision now. I know what it's all about. It's about the heart remaining turned that the Lord may appear where He appears. He appears in the soul. It's about the heart being turned into the Lord and into those that look for Him shall He appear the second apart from sin unto salvation. See, Abram is settled. He knows what it's all about. He's settled. He's more established in the heavenly vision. He's more established in reality. He's more established in the purpose of God for which the soul exists. He's more established in the will of God. He's more established in the truth. Why? The whole land is before you, Lot. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. But it's in the land. See, he gave his nephew, he gave Lot, he gave his brother his pick anywhere in the land. He gave him the boundaries of Christ where Christ would appear. This is already governing Abram. He's governed by the heavenly vision. And as we'll see right here, very unfortunate, Lot was not. I love that. Is not the whole land before thee. He's basically, in essence, he's saying, just keep your heart turned to the Lord that the Lord may appear and you'll find sustenance. You know, and that appearing will be able to bear you and all that you have. But very sadly in verse 10, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Lot lifted up his natural eyes and looked unto that which he considered to be good. And he journeyed east. So much so, he journeyed outside of purpose, outside of God's will. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then verse 12. And Abram dwelled in the land. He's not leaving. He's not leaving purpose. He's not leaving the will of God. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. And see, here's the thing, brother and sister. Abram did not force Lot to remain in the land. Abram, with all his heart, because I don't believe it was Abram, I believe it was the Lord in Abram, because Abram was now governed by the heavenly vision. And what governs you when you're governed by the heavenly vision? Not I. 
but Christ who lives in me. Abram did not force Lot to remain. He declared the land as a choice, as the only choice there is. That's what Abram said, is not the whole land before thee. The only choice there is. And yet, Lot lifted up his natural eyes, still governed by the natural, the natural man, a light that is not light at all. And he saw that this looked good towards pointing towards Sodom. So he leaves purpose and he leaves the will of God for something less. I bet you that, I bet you Lot was like, yay, I got the best. But I, 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 I really believe that Abram's heart was just broken because Abram had fully defined the land, the place where Lot was to dwell. Is not the whole land before thee? And Lot didn't even choose anything of the land. The Lord is faithful. And we'll see it with Lot. Once again, when we pick up with Lot, the very first mention of mercy, or at least one of the very first mentions of mercy in the Scriptures with Lot. We'll see how the Lord is very merciful. And that's the way it is. <clears throat> it's always that way with the Lord. If the Lord does not initiate, we continue as always. If the Lord doesn't step in, we continue as always. Praise God for His mercy and ever-abounding grace that He does step in. So here's Abram dwelling in the land. I believe Abram was praying for Lot. Yeah. Of course He is. He's His brother. Purposed for the same purpose. Purposed for the for the same, the appearing of the Lord. I mean, you can you can hear it with Paul. Till we all come unto the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we listen. Until we all come. Until we all come unto the knowledge of the Son of God. God always brings unto His Son. Always. That's the ministry of God. To bring unto the Son. Always. So, I know I went, I went a little uh, over on this class. Uh, but the Lord bless you guys. And, and let's just open up our heart unto the Lord. And just give, allow Him. Give Him the full reins of our heart. And just allow the Lord to do whatever it takes. Right? To do whatever it takes to draw our heart, that our heart would turn, that He would turn our heart once again unto the purpose for which He created our soul. That He would draw our hearts once again and continually draw our hearts unto the face of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, I'll let you go for this, uh, for this time. And uh, we have picked up the classes, as I sort of maybe mentioned at the very beginning. And we're going to continue these classes as the Lord wills. And um, I would say this, please pray for me. <laughs> first and foremost, please listen, first and foremost, that my heart would continue to turn unto the Lord. That the Lord would continue preparing the ground of my heart. That it would continually be turning unto the face of Jesus Christ. And uh, I just do ask also that you'd be praying that I wouldn't uh, get so overwhelmed with these classes that I'm doing and all the notes and all the audios and all the videos and all the dot, 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 <laughs> all the work basically that it entails uh, because there's so much more going on here than just standing behind this, uh, this pulpit thing and just uh, speaking. So please keep me in your prayers and I know that the one prayer that will be most 
effectual in all things, as, as I stated, uh, that the Lord would continue preparing the ground of my heart for it a greater appearing of Christ. Because I don't, I don't want to be wandering about, I mean, we don't have any, we don't, we don't have that many uh, natural years, you know, years of the natural to be wandering about. No, we, we, the Lord has purposed, the Lord created the soul of man for one purpose, the appearing of his son. Um, that we would get on with the purpose. Amen? So, I'll let you all <clears throat> go for now. The Lord bless you guys, and we'll see you in our next class. Amen.